So it's been a couple weeks since we were here. We were on vacation, so I, I want to tell you about it a little bit. I told a few people little tidbits about our vacation, but it was the, the most relaxing vacation that uh, we've had in the last five years. We went down to South Dakota two weeks ago, and it feels like an eternity because it was just that long ago, and it was that good. Uh, and anyway, we spent a week, Monday through Saturday, at a campground. It was, I think, Beaver Lake Campground, and uh, I took Lauren's advice. He said, run for half a day and rest for half a day, which was great. We went, we went to Mount Rushmore. We went to Needles Highway. We went to Sylvan Lake, and we had ice cream every day. Except for once, we did not have ice cream, so we made up for it the next day. We had it twice. Uh, but Gary and Connie had blessed us with uh, a little bit of ice cream money. I told my dad that, and he should have said that you had caviar every... I prefer ice cream. So anyway, uh, we, we, we got to do that. Uh, some of the things that we did... Uh, ra- uh, let's see. Was it Keystone? There was this tramway park where you could go... Uh, you could go on a zip line. You could go walk and cross the trees. Uh, did you do this? There's a 2,000-foot slide, a cement slide, and you can ride these little carts. Did you try that? Yeah, the little carts, yeah. And if you wanted to go faster, you pushed forward. If you wanted to go slower, you went back. And anybody could do this. I saw this pregnant woman, about eight months pregnant, on the slide. Uh, but it was, it was great fun, uh, and that was something that we got to do. While we were in that area, we did a little gift shopping, had a little miracle. Caleb left his wallet. Uh, up on a shelf, and we left. And we, oh no, we don't have our wallet. We started praying, where is our wallet? We started looking everywhere, went back to the store, and we were able to get it back. The $25 was was still in it too. So uh, we even got to experience that. We came home Friday night after a really relaxing week, and we were going to be here in church that Sunday, but on a, a, I decided well that morning to go to Foresight. Leslie had a classmate. It was supposed to be preaching, and we didn't get there in time. So we ended up going to a different church. Uh, but we spent the rest of the week, Monday through Thursday, uh, doing small house projects that we wanted to do, and we took the afternoon off. We would play and relax. Leslie was sewing, that kind of thing. But then Friday morning, I got this wild hair, which I realized that's where all my hair is gone. <laughs> it's all these wild hairs that I have. We decided we were going to go to Davenport. I called my mom, and within a half an hour, we were on the road. And it's 13 hours to get there. And I, didn't really, I thought it was 12. The only saving grace is when you cross the Montana border into Idaho, you gain an hour. And so we were going to surprise my dad for his 60th birthday. My mom knew we were coming, so we, we showed up at 11 o'clock their time. And my dad has gone downstairs to go to bed. And mom comes upstairs, and we sneak in the house, and we're all just kind of standing there. Because we want to surprise dad. We don't know what do you do to get him upstairs. So we're all kind of laughing and giggling and trouble. My dog says, I know people, I don't know what your problem is. I'm going to help you out. So he walked down the stairs and the next thing you hear my dad saying is, I recognize this dog. He comes upstairs and so we have this nice time of, you know, gathering surprises and everybody's happy and for about 10, 15 minutes we chit-chatted before we went to bed. Uh, The next day uh, we had a family coming uh, for this birthday party. It's kind of like this family for a while, then this family. We got to see everybody except for a brother-in-law of mine who was gone. He was at the White House, the actual real White House. Um, and uh, President Trump has had, this is his second year of having Made in America, and he gets a representative from every state 
or from a company, and they go and they demonstrate something that they make. And they make Kuma wood stoves. And so that's where he was at, so he couldn't make it. But we got to see everybody that we wanted to. It was the town days, and so we ran around the town and saw lots of people that I didn't expect to see because I thought that was a previous weekend. Uh, did a lot of catching up with some of the youth group kids at church that Sunday. We got to surprise more people because they didn't know we were coming either. And we got surprised in return by other people that we didn't expect to be there. So it was just a really, really good time. We uh, Monday, we headed, though, 5 in the morning, our time to get back to Clubman, Montana. So it was a really good time. I'm really glad we got to do that. I knew the church was in good hands, so I appreciate that. You know, we were having a really good time uh, for two weeks. And, you know, Friday night on our way to Davenport, something interesting happened. Uh, we were, we were 10 minutes away from home, from my parents' house. There's a little way station. And we, we drive, and there's two cars that are pulled over with their flashers on. And we drive by slowly, and as we look, we see that there is a motorcycle that's on the ground, and there's somebody crumpled up on the ground. And we're kind of thinking, what is, you know, kind of what's going on, but we see that they have their cell phones. And so we know Davenport's really close. We know the ambulance is coming. We know the cop cars are coming. And within a minute or two, that they show up, and we go, we go home, and we continue with our, our seeing my dad and all the things I just kind of told you about. But we found out that uh, that night, uh, or within the next couple of days, there's a, the person on the bike was a 35-year-old male that died. He he was a DUI. I did not know this person. He just somehow went off the road in the little ditch, and I don't know if he broke his neck or what happened. But while we're out having a great time. Somebody was fighting for their life, and then it ended. And I don't know whether this person went to heaven or not. I, I really have no idea. I really hope they did. But it, was, it ties in with the message today because it makes me, or it reminds me of the fact of how short life is, how your life is going to end, and how you don't know when that is. Because Jesus today is talking about this open door, and as long as you're living, this door is open to you. But when you die, the door shuts, and there is no way to open that door once it shuts. When you die, as this 35-year-old male did, it is too late to make up your mind to decide to do something different. You can beg and you can plead, but you cannot do anything about it. So it, it, it just ties in really well, and it's a good reminder today of how short life is and how we need to take advantage of this open window as long as we can. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 13, verses 22 to 35. Luke chapter 13, verses 22 to 25. It says, Then Jesus went through the... I'm going to just read the first four verses because we want to look at... Jesus is talking about the narrow door, this open door. We want to look at that first. It says, Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as, the town, as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every enter to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Okay, so we're going to start with this door. Uh, quick uh, observation skills test for you. Think, how many doors do you have going into your house? Uh, we have, I would count three. We have the front door of the parsonage, and then the garage has two exterior doors to get into the garage, which leads to the house. So I'd say we have three doors. I imagine that most everybody's house has at least two. Uh, the Wegmans' house, you can't get in their back door unless you can fly because there's no stairs, but it still technically counts as two doors. Uh, why do we have doors on houses? 
obvious, right? This is not rocket science, but that's how you get in. If the door is open, it's more welcoming. If the door is shut, you knock and hope that someone's home and, and recognizes you and lets you in. But that's how you keep people out if you don't want to get in. The only other options are, A, I misplaced my keys and I'm breaking into my own house and trying to find a loose window, or I'm breaking into somebody else's house. And that's the big no-no. You don't, you don't do that kind of thing. That's why you have doors, to open the door to let people in and keep people from coming out. And when Jesus is talking about this door, he's not talking about this open door to heaven, as in it's a structure like the doors you have here to get into the, to the church. It's not like you're going to get up to heaven and there's always this picture of a big pearly gate. You just got to make sure you, Peter's at the gate and he lets you in. It's not a physical door, but it's, it works because the door is an entranceway. Jesus is the entranceway into heaven. John 14, six, we, actually we know this because verse 23, someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? This door that he's talking about is referring to heaven, to salvation. How do I get to heaven this door that needs to be opened. Uh, John 14, 6 says, Jesus is speaking, he says, I am the way, the way, one way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14, you find the same kind of idea as the gates narrow uh, or broad as we're we're looking at here. It says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. That means there are going to be people who do find it, but there's not going to be very many. And when Jesus looks at this, verse 24, he says, make every effort to enter through the narrow gate. You know, if you're going to make every effort to do something, let's just say in school I want to get an A, I'm not going to have to half-hazardly try to do this, half-heartedly try to get an A. If I want to get the girl, if I want to get the job, if I want to get this project done, I'm going to go full bore, full gusto into what I'm, I'm trying to get done. If I want to win, I'm going to. As if I'm fighting for my life. If you're in a hand-to-hand combat with somebody and you're fighting to the death, you're not going to just say, well, yeah, I'm just going to throw a few lazy punches. You're going to fight for everything that you have. You're going to grab the chair you're going to brass it over the guy's head, whatever it takes, because you want to live. You're going to put everything you have into it. And Jesus says the same thing about getting into heaven. Make every effort to make sure that you are there. Not because you're trying to be, earn your way to heaven, because you can't. Titus, Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. There is nothing that we could do to get ourselves into heaven. So we're, not, we're trying really hard to get there, but we're not trying to base it off our own good works. And also, we're not even trying, after we get saved, to try to prove that we are worthy of getting to heaven, as if God is, is lucky to have us get to heaven. He's not, he's not even trying to do that, as if we're trying to pay him back. We're not trying to. But when you do want to enter through a door, it does take a little work. It takes somebody opening it, or it takes walking through. Getting into heaven takes a little bit of work on your part. What kind of work could that possibly be? John chapter 6, verses 27 to 29 gives us a little bit of an idea of what that is. John chapter 6, verses 27 to 29. Uh, How about, yeah, it says, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, 
On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So here's, here's more of the main point. Then they asked him, what must, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe on the one that he has sent. That sounds really, really easy. I need to just believe on Jesus for salvation and I will have eternal life. It should be easy. Jesus did all the work. When Jesus got up there on the cross, he was willing to go. They didn't have to fight him. They didn't have to force him to get him up there. He was willing to, to get up on a cross. Think about this for a minute. What did you have to do to get Jesus up on the cross? How many people begged Jesus, please get on the cross because you're the only way that I'm going to get to heaven? I didn't beg him. How many people bribed Jesus to get up on that cross? Jesus, if you get up on that cross, I'll believe in you. I will trust you for my salvation. You did not have to do anything to get Jesus up on that cross. Unless you want to take the, uh, get the credit for I'm a sinner and I deserve punishment. And because Jesus loved me, he got up on that cross. That's the only, uh, thing, you could, the only thing you could take to say that I got Jesus up there was because he loved you. But you didn't have to do anything. But it's still hard for people to get saved. Because, because one reason is because of pride. Because I have to admit that I am not good enough. That I have to admit that I have to rely on somebody else or something else to get me out of the mess that I have put myself in. And a lot of people do not want to do that. We have pride. We're humans. We're Americans. We're men. We don't want to say that I need help. But we have to admit that we can't do it. Uh, people don't want to repent. They don't want to turn from their sins. In Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. People say, I don't want that. I want to, I want to have my little, I want to enjoy this, what this world has to offer. I don't want to give up everything I'm supposed to when I choose to follow Jesus. They want to, they want to, to hang on to what this world has to offer instead of follow Jesus. Some people don't want to make that commitment because they have to stand alone. Now, in this country, I don't think it really matters. If, if I, when I, when I chose to follow Jesus because I've walked through that door, people were excited. They said, good, Josh, about time. I hope your life changes. You know, way to go. But in other countries, it's a scary thing. Because if you put your faith in Jesus, some people might try to kill you. They might try to disown you. They might try to run you off and make your life miserable because they don't like that. So some people say, you know what? It's really, really hard for me to put my faith in Jesus because of what everybody else is going to think. And sometimes people are just confused. You know what? You're, you're telling me Jesus is the only way to heaven? But what about what the Muslims believe? What about the Mormons? What about the Jehovah's Witnesses? What about the Buddhists? How could you know that Jesus is the only way? And they say, boy, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to pick. I can't understand all of this. In Sunday school, we are talking about doubts. And how it is okay to have doubts. Now, uh, I, one of the things that I doubted, well, enough, I mean, it's, it's something that I wouldn't, wouldn't have died for, was the fact of the, the Trinity. I was about 33 years old when I, 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 taught, I was taught my whole life that God, Jesus was God, God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit. I don't want to try to explain that right now. But I end up, I end up saying the words, I don't think I would die for that fact. Maybe that shocks you. Maybe it doesn't. Because I was told my whole life this is true. And it's, but it's okay to doubt. But the thing is, you can't just stay in your doubt. You've got to search it out and find out for yourself that it's really true. I could 
I am fully convinced that the Trinity exists, that Jesus is God, that the Holy Spirit is God, that the Father is God, but I, because I didn't stay in my doubt. You doubt that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Good. Go. I, I'm not going to yell at you. If, you. if you have questions, I can try to help you understand that. But don't just stay in your doubt. Go and search out the answers. Find out if, in fact, the Bible is really true. If, in fact, Jesus really is the way to heaven. Because if you doubt, if you stay in your doubt, you're not going to believe. If you stay in your doubt, you're not going to try to convince anybody else to believe because you just don't know if it's really true. And this is a very serious business. We need to make sure that we have full confidence in what we say that we believe. So doors open and doors close. The door right now is open, and there are people who are, who are going to enter this door. Uh, verses, verse 29 to 30, it says, People will come from east and west and the north and the south and will take their place at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and there are those who are first who will be last. There are going to be people in heaven. I guarantee you I am one of them because I have chosen to walk through the open door. Now, when Jesus is talking to these people, these, these are Jewish people, and they have some funny beliefs uh, that they was traditionally passed down to them. And one is from a Jewish writing called the Mishnah. And they believe that every single Jew, unless they were really, really bad, was going to get to go to heaven. Here's a little snippet from the, the Mishnah. It says, All Israelites have a share in the world to come, meaning heaven. For it is written, Thy people also shall be all righteous, they shall inherit the land forever. So they strongly believe, I'm a Jew. I'm one of God's chosen people. I've got my ticket to heaven. I'm going to go there. But, uh, you know, it wasn't just a message that was meant for the Jews. Our scripture reading is Psalm 67. It, it makes reference that this message of salvation was not just for the Jews. It says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the Gentiles. The Jews were God's chosen people, but they weren't supposed to keep this message for themselves. They were supposed to share this message with the people around them. It says in verse 3, May all the peoples praise you. Verse 5, May all the peoples praise you. Uh, verse 7 says, God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him. This was a message that was supposed to go Everywhere, When the Israelites left Egypt, it wasn't just Israelites that left. There were the people from Egypt. There were people from other parts of the country who went with them. When they defeated Jericho, there was a prostitute named Rahab who joined them. There was Ruth who joined them. She was one of their enemies, the Moabites. There were, there were uh, people who were enemies of Israel, but ultimately she became a follower of, of God because this message was for Everybody. It wasn't just for the Jews. So there's people who are going to be from every corner, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every color, who are going to be in the kingdom of heaven, not just Jewish people. And how is that message going to get out? How is it going to go anywhere? That message is, uh, that tool is us. We're supposed to take the message with us. I know uh, the last time I was here, I talked about how did the message of the gospel get out? How did it spread? Jesus. He spoke to the people. Jesus did miracles which, which backed up who he was. Jesus had the 12 disciples. They were supposed to start in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and take it to the ends of the earth. When the, when the Jewish people were being persecuted, they took the message with them 
wherever they went. They did their job. They've passed this down to people. We need to do our job. You know, and some of us are doing that. Uh, I, I'm going to pick on a few people. When we were on vacation, Leslie did that. There was different women that she was willing to talk to about her faith. There was this a bagel lady that what they got in these conversations with. There was another gal from uh, California, Noah and Caleb. When we were, we were playing with the kids at this park, right next to the campground, they made friends with these kids, and they were trying to tell them about Jesus. Mrs. Wagnine, I was texting with her while she's in the waiting room. She's witnessing to people there because you are taking the message where you go. You take Jesus with you. I'm sure there's other people who are doing that. I just don't know that. But those people I know are taking that message where they're supposed to go. And then ultimately in Revelation chapter 14, verse 6, it talks about an angel is going to come and is going to share the message of salvation with everybody. So that message was, was given and it's, it's spread and it's been given and passed on, but it needs to keep going. But ultimately, everybody who's alive at that point is going to hear this message of salvation. And he says, the first who are, will be, those who are first will be last and those who are last will be first. Jesus isn't talking about an order of people who are getting into heaven as if, well, you know, I thought these good people were going to get there first, but now they're going to be moved to the end of the line because they're not so good. He's not saying that. He's saying that there are people who you think are going to be in heaven who are not going to be there. And there's people you don't think are going to be in heaven who are actually going to be there. Uh, In Matthew 21, verses 31 and 32, this is one of my favorite things about about Jesus, one of my favorite things about this, the Gospels, because it can show up in very unlikely places. Uh, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe in him. The tax collectors, the prostitutes, All these really bad people who were not being hypocritical. They were not trying to hide their sin. They were open and honest about it. Hey, you guys want to join us? Come on. You can join this lifestyle too. But the difference with these people was they heard the message of salvation and they said, I believe it. I want it. They walked right through the narrow door and they left all their garbage outside. And they joined the kingdom of God. And the people who should have heard it, didn't. The people who, who were the Jewish people who should have been there were the ones who were rejecting Jesus. But I love the fact that it, it's not based off of, of uh, anything that we do or say that gets us there. It, it's, it's not because I've had such a wicked and awful lifestyle that I can't get to heaven. Jesus will take you wherever you're at. And he'll, he'll say, walk through the narrow door. Come on. The door's open. It's going to stay open for just a little while longer, it doesn't matter what you've done, you can walk through this narrow door. Because going to church is not going to save you. Being baptized is not going to save you. I wish it could. You know how easy it would be to just grab people and start pushing them in the water? You know, you take every little kid, you throw them in the water as soon as they're born, and say, okay, you're baptized. You drag people into church and say, okay, you did it. You know, if, if, you're, if your good was going to outweigh your bad, you know, I, I think about baseball because they have, they have records where uh, you, you're, you're hoping that your, your wins outweigh your losses, you know, and if you get enough wins, you finally get to go to the playoffs. 
which Seattle is working on trying to get there after like 18 years. But it's like if, if, my, if I could just have a winning record on my goodness, like I was 80 wins and 70 losses, that, if that would be enough, you know what? I think there would be a lot more people in heaven. But Jesus says it doesn't work that way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to get to heaven. There are people who are going to get into heaven because they enter through the narrow door. But guess what? That means there are people who are not going to get to heaven because they did not enter through the narrow door. And the thing is, it's going to be people who should have made it. The, peop- the, the people of Israel, um, verses verse, uh, 32 to, let's see, let me, th- verse 34, it says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone, stone those who sent, we sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. The people who should have made it into heaven are going to be the ones who are standing outside the door and knocking and saying, uh, we ate and drank with you. You taught in our streets. But this, this guy's going to, Jesus is going to say, away from me, I never knew you. The people of Israel who had the law, they had uh, the miracles of Egypt that was passed down of all how great God is. And they were the ones who had every advantage possible were the ones who said, I'm not going to accept that Jesus is the Messiah. I'm going to rely on my heritage. I'm going to rely on the fact that I was born a Jew. I'm going to rely on my works. I'm going to rely on something else to get me to heaven. And that's not going to do that. It's not going to be enough to get you there. They were the ones who should have made it, but they aren't going to make it. And there are people, hopefully not in this church, but there are people in America, there are people that I know who should have made it to heaven who are not, I don't think, going to make it. I don't know because I can't look and say, well, yeah, Daisy's saved and Nick's not saved and Steve is and sorry, Selena, you're not saved. I can't look and see anything about that. God can see that. But there are people who have heard the message. They've sat in churches their whole life and have never decided to put their faith in Jesus. They, they look good. They show up. They sit in the pews. They might even teach Sunday school. You know, uh, when we went to Billings on Monday, uh, for our vacation, or part of our vacation, Noah got one of those end-time movies. And it was one I hadn't seen before. It wasn't the Left Behind series. But it was up on this big airplane. And there was these bad guys that were taking over the airplane, and they were going to kill people. And then all of a sudden, a whole bunch of people disappeared. And, of course, it's chaotic, you know, and mass panic and everything. And, and guess who's left behind? Anybody want to take a guess? Nobody? One of the people, what? The preacher, right, the preacher's left behind. How come? Every time they do a left behind series, the preacher is left behind. The guy who's trying to convince you that this is true has never really put his faith in Jesus himself. The the preacher on the airplane, he said, I thought I was good enough. I thought I did enough to get myself into heaven. And that's that's the biggest fear that we can have is is wondering who's going to make it, who's not going to make it. You know, I... I love watching these old black and white TV shows. I love I love Lucy. I watch it over and over. The whole season, we have all nine of them. And I love watching Andy Griffith's show and Mr. Ed, which I thought was going to be really stupid because of a talking horse. But, you know, every time I watch those and I enjoy those, I always wonder, where did they go? Did they make it to heaven? You know, because Andy Griffith, he sang amazing. He had these hymns that he sang and it was it was way better than ever I could hope to sing. But is he up in heaven? I don't know. 
I'm not, I can't determine that, but I want to make sure that you are there, that you're not, at, you're not outside the door waiting to get in, thinking, you know what, I'm going to put this off. I don't really believe this. I don't really want this. If you're sitting there today, you're not really convinced. Even if it was my son Noah, who's 12 years old, almost 13, says, you know what, Dad, I want to make sure. I'm not going to be mad at him. I'm not going to be disappointed at him. I am going to be happy because he needs Jesus just like I need Jesus. That's, the, that's what I want. I don't want anybody faking I believe in Jesus. And so after, after we sing your last song, if you want to, to talk with Jesus, you, want, you know what, I, I can help you walk through that open door because it's open, but it's not going to stay open forever. When you die, that door is shut. That 35-year-old guy who died who on the side of the road Whatever decision he made is it. He can get to heaven and, and pound on the door and hope that there's some way to get in, but it's too late. makes me think about Noah and the ark. All those people who said, no, I don't want to get on your ark. After it started raining, guess what they were probably doing? They are probably pounding with everything they had left. Let me in. But there was no way to get in. So if you're not fully convinced that you have put your faith in Jesus for salvation, I challenge you to come talk to me. Or talk to somebody else you know who did. If you say, there is no way I'm getting up there to talk to anybody, I have a cell phone. I got a new cell phone on vacation. I'll give you the number. You know, that I'll actually can get a hold of you. I'm at church throughout the day. But please, make sure that you know Jesus. And you say, I do know Jesus. I'm going to say like I've, I'm going to start saying every time. You know people who don't know Jesus. They need to walk through that open door too. You're the one that can lead them there. Make sure that people know the gospel. Uh, let's pray, we'll sing, and then I'm just going to hang out up here if you'd like to talk. Dear God, I thank you for being a God who loves us, God who's given us several years of our lives, several uh, chances, God, to hear your message of salvation. God, I've walked through that open door because I've put my faith in you and I've trusted you alone for salvation. God, if there's anybody here who, who just really isn't sure, God, I just pray that today could be the day of salvation, that they would just make sure that they know you as their Savior, because that's what you want. And we don't know when the end's going to come. We don't know if you're going to come back first and take us home, or if we're going to die like this guy on the motorcycle. God, please let today be a day of celebration that way. And God, we all know people who don't know you as their Savior. And God, I know it's scary to talk to people. God, I pray that you would please help us to have the words to say and the boldness to say as we share that faith with them. God, I just pray for your blessing on, on the rest of this day. In Jesus' name, amen.